You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 518. I'm your host, Tricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. I'm just going to put this at the front of the show so it's more likely to happen. You know, we're all congratulating Sid on his Platinum Trophy and Elden Ring. Sid, you maniac. Make it happen. Sophie's Trophies. We want to know how we can also get the Platinum Trophy and Elden Ring. Because, honestly, like... Those games, as hard as they are, and having been through Bloodborne myself, I would like to know what the trophies are for that game and what you have to do to uh, to er- attain the Platinum in Elden Ring. So make it happen, Sid. Well, the I people agree. are crying for it. They want it. Alex, that's what this week's Sophie Trophy is on. See? See? Well, the other day, I say that because the other day, he was, like, unsure about it because he's like, who would want to listen to that? And then Rick and I are both immediately, uh, me? <laughs> Well, Sid, Sid delivers. Sid delivers. A man of the people. Well, he he uh, he sent me so, t- this week's Sophie's trophies, and it's just under fifteen minutes long. It's a big game. It's a massive game. So there's a lot to talk about. It's a shitty game, but we won't go there. Dude, okay. Look, I, I'm joking. I'm just joking. Don't get on me. Let's let's not say you know just because a game doesn't sit well with us. Because I could be like the same thing about Metal Gear Solid. Because you know me, I tried Metal Gear Solid, wasn't a fan. But I can still recognize it's not a bad game, even if it doesn't click with me. All right. And uh, because I don't have a better intro and he doesn't like me calling him my trophy bitch, it's Daryl. What up? Daryl, I... D- hold on. How many more Platinum Trophies do you have than Tricky this year? Because he's only got, what, one or two? Yeah, I think I've got five more than him just this year, but... How many have you gotten this year so far? Uh, Five or six. I think, I think if you... Well, I've... Five or six, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not looking at my trophy list, but yeah. Okay, then you only have two or three or more than me. So how many tro- how many platins have you got? Besides, you got one this year. I got three this year. Oh, what'd you get? Uh, what did I get? Ghost of Tsushima. That's a good one. Uh, Forbidden West. That's a good one. And what was my other one? I know I got three. Yeah, because you had one that was kind of like not. It wasn't a big game like those, so. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say now that by the end of the year, Daryl's gonna have so many more platinums. Tricky, he's just gonna put a saddle on him and ride him around. That's right. (laughs) I I, I take it back. I only have two because the games I played this year so far are Dirt Five, which I haven't played since I started it. Uh, Saints Row Reelected, Fallen Order, which I keep getting crap about not getting that platinum. I got the platinum in Ghost of Tsushima. I could go get the platinum in Planet Coaster. But I stopped playing that. Uh, Lego to the 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 movie game, Hot Wheels Unleashed, um, and I don't know if I'm gonna get the platinum in uh, the Legacy of the East collection. And hey, I know I'm not. I Darryl, know I'm you know what you know what I'm hearing, Daryl. A lot of Tricky's overselling and under under delivering. There you go. You know what I'm hearing, Alex? I'm hearing a man who's played some real games this year. Real solid lineup of games right there. And he's he's getting caught up with the rest of us in the grind. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? 
And I I told Daryl before the show started, uh, my 2023 folder is over 130 games now. That's insane. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, you know, it can't last that long because Tricky hasn't learned a lesson about, you know, playing games you actually want to play as opposed to just popping platinums, you know, like you're opening up a can of soda. Well, I I know a couple people getting nervous because I'm three months in and nobody expected me to last a month. Yeah, so. that's true. Hey, you got to give the man his due. You know, he's definitely lasted longer than any of us thought. I, I just assumed by now I'd be able to play whatever I wanted because he'd have thrown in the towel. So. Oh, no. Even if even if I crack, you still got to make it the year. I'm just saying. I figured that, like, uh, by now there'd be some kind of, like, hey, man, there's a situation. There's this thing that happened. I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, let's just call it off. <laughs> that's what well, I expected. Well, to – let me be real for a second. I got a uh, a review code for a rat game. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about asking the council and you if I can get an exception for this because it is a review game. No, no exceptions. And, and, I, and I decided I wasn't even going to ask, and I passed the code off to somebody else to play it, and they're going to write a review for it. Hold on. Go. Speaking <coughs> of review codes... Yes. You got a review copy of Horizon Forbidden West. I did. Where's that review? Uh, it's submitted, and the person I don't know if they posted it. All right, don't be don't be fucking up our relationships with publishers because you're taking oh, no, 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 games no, no, no. and not writing reviews. No, no, I didn't get a code for PG. I got a code. I somebody gave me a code to write a review for their site. This wasn't a PG review code. Oh, you're writing re- reviews for other websites. Hey, got me Forbidden West early. Hey, whatever you got to do, man. And then I then I sold my digital code to somebody when I got the uh, uh, collector's edition. So isn't that uh, isn't that little under? Uh, are you supposed to do that? Like, get a review code, then sell that? No, he sold his. They came in his collector's edition. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's okay. I'm like, are you out here selling digital codes? You get from, from no, 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 no. Because that was one of the few games that, like, you can buy the collector's edition and not get an actual physical copy of the game. Which I greatly appreciate, but there's a lot of people out there pissed because they were. Oh, like, I would be. They, I would be fuming. They got they got their collector's editions. Like, what the fuck is this? We didn't even get a, a game? And they're like, no, it's a, you get a review code. It says it right on the box, and it says it when you pre order it. So apparently yeah. people didn't read their pre orders. Well, I actually saw that, and actually, I heard you say it on the show as well, too. And I did not get the collector's edition for that reason, because I'm not pay- I'm not paying all that money and getting, you know, not getting the game. I mean, the statue is what you're there for, but no, I got to have both. It's it's a package deal. Oh uh, well, uh, I got some breaking news that I actually, uh, well, I was gonna say I bought an Xbox game, but uh, Homer was doing some shopping over the weekend and found a Injustice Steelbook that yes. comes with it comes with an Xbox version of the game. So I told him to get me the Steelbook and he could use the game as a coaster. There you go. <laughs> so. so he uh he bailed it out already. Good man. Thank you, Homer. I take back all the bad stuff I talk about to you until the next time you insult me. There you go. It's like a truce. Which should be as soon as he listens to the show. Probably. <laughs> All right, let's do our updated trophy count. I am level 681, total trophies of 16,621, with 372 platinum, still more than Daryl. Alex? Uh, I am a PlayStation badass. I, oh, there is the <laughs> agenda right there in my 
email waiting waiting on the the wi-fi to be working hell that is not the right episode it is the right episode level 456 total trophy count of 7905 with a platinum count of 123 in 122 games Yield, as you know, is not here, so he is level 470, total trophies of 8,335 with 149 Platinums. Sid is level 553 with a total trophy, total trophy count of 11,444 with 220 Platinums. Daryl? I am a level 673 with a total trophy count of 15,612 with a Platinum count of 363. Still lost to me. Still less than you for now. Yes. <laughs> uh, and right now I'm working. Or we'll, we'll get into what we're playing because it kind of like uh, goes into my plan for the year. Uh, I am currently playing Grand Theft Auto Five. I will not be getting that platinum because apparently, even though the game just released on the PlayStation 5, the platinum is unattainable. Is it, it's broken? No, the servers are off. Uh. For some oddball reason, the servers are off, on, which I, I assume is going to be fixed. Yeah. But every guide you look up says the servers are off. Now, I, I've never played GT Online, never tried it, so I don't know if that's true or not. It might just be somebody copy and pasted the PS3 and the PS4 trophy guides and didn't well, that, update that. That's how it was when the first, the game first released that it, that the uh, servers were down. I never played GTA Online for that reason because for the first month that game was out, the cert- the, it didn't out. work. Yeah. So and then by then I had already moved on. Sounds uh, uh, like Rockstar is trying to piss off their customers like they did with the the Grand Theft Auto collection that came out last year. Yep. Uh, I am slowly playing uh, Forbidden West on the PS4. Uh, I'm not going to go as hard as I did on the PS5 version. But I love the game that much that I'm going to go back. And I've been dabbling a little bit into the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection. Uh, I didn't get the Platinum in either version of the PS4. So I don't know that I'm going to get the Platinum on this one. Um, but I still think they're uh, the PS5 version of this game, their trophy list is bullshit. That you have to get a Platinum in Lost Legacy to even get a trophy in the Uncharted 4 list. To get the platinum, it's only one platinum per, for both games. Yeah, I think that's, that's BS. Pretty busted. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, I get the, I get it. That sucks, but at the end of the day, you're paying for the games, not the trophy lists. Naughty Dog does not do good trophy lists. They haven't done it yet. They're not going to. And speak for yourself, Alex. I buy games just for trophies. That is okay, true. Well, we we know that. That's that's part <laughs> I, of the problem. <laughs> I have 130 games in a folder waiting for me for January first. January, he's going to be like a crackhead. He's going to be all over the place. Uh, I think I like I might be breaking some news here, Daryl, but I think we actually talked about doing a uh, a twelve hour marathon of games on the yeah first. yeah we talked about definitely doing something. So I am I'm very open like a spamathon just to get it back get it out of our system. Yeah. Uh, so that is what I'm playing, Daryl. What are you playing? Because I like a true professional, you are playing games as we were recording. Woo! How, who who would who would ever? Um, I can see the controller in your hands. So don't even lie. <laughs> so, no, uh, I am uh, playing uh, WWE 2K22. As I was saying before the show, I highly recommend it, guys, especially wrestling fans, um, fans of wrestling games. The last one, 2K20, was so broken, and even patched, it's still a broken hot mess. 
this game is it plays so much better. It's so much fun. The kids and I have been playing it, having a blast. Uh, my podcast hosts on the Loot Bros have been telling me to grab it, and I was like, "You guys are going to have to try this one first, just because I got burnt last time, and I didn't want to get burnt again." And um, this one's been good. I'm having I'm having a really good time with it. And the only other thing I've been playing this week is uh, Sleeping Dogs Definitive Edition. Uh, so I, that was one of the games I was pledged to play for my show, and uh, it's really really good. Have you guys ever played Sleeping Dogs? I no, think sir. I. I think I started it once, and it didn't hook me right away. And I said, uh, you know, I'll come back to it, and yeah. I totally forgot about it. So I was told it was Grand Theft Auto in Hong Kong, and that's what it is. But it has like Arkham-style combat system. Um, not one-to-one, but similar. You know, like a combo you know, system, very melee-based. But this game has like some gra- like a grapple system as well so like you can do a you know three hit combo and then grapple somebody but when you grapple them you can throw them like like into the environment and it is just so obnoxious and so cool so it's got like a really fun combat system the missions so far have been you know what you'd expect open world fetch questy go run these errands go shake down these thugs but the 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 i guess the the story so far is you're a undercover um, cop that's uh, investigating the triads, and uh, it's really good so far. So I'm, I'm I'm digging it. Outside of that, Forbidden West um, is what I'm, I'm about a week ago. I dabbled in it like last weekend, but I, I got to knock out a couple games for my podcast before I can get back to Forbidden West. So that's me. All right, Alex. Yeah. Um... So I spent much of the past two days playing the Returnal Ascension DLC, the uh, Tower of Sisyphus, and uh, it's phenomenal. And it's uh, as Tricky said on a previous episode, it is free, so it's a free update to the game. And you just access it in the same area where your ship has crash-landed, where you start every cycle. Uh, it's easily accessible from there, so it's not like you have to go into the deepened territory to find it. It's basically right there by your ship, and it's, you know, it's basically... Um, the trophy that takes you deepest into the tower, it's like a kind of survival run. So you do a floor and then you'll go up the next floor. It's not like, you know, waves of enemies just come at you in the same room. It's like the, the environment changes. And obviously, since it's procedurally generated, the next every room you go into is, is figured at random. So it's never like the same run, you know, just like the main game itself. Basically, you'll do a floor and then you'll do another floor and you'll keep going up until, you know, after 20 rounds, you get to a boss fight. Then, you know, you go to uh, 20 more rounds, you get to another boss fight. And then the uh, after another twenty rounds, you get to the third form of the boss fight. So it's the same boss every time, Algos, but it every time it gains like a different attacks and uh, another health bar. So you know, first first round is one health bar, second round is two health bars, and the third round is three health bars. And the, the, there's a trophy for beating him the first time, and then also the final form, which is the third round. But uh, it's super cool. Like not every floor is combat. Some level, you know, there's a lot of strategy that goes into it too. You know, some some rooms are safe rooms where you can just collect health. Or, you know, spend your obelites, which you get throughout the run, on, you know, upgrades for your suit, upgrades for Selene. Um, you know, there are weapon caches, caches to open, so you've got to figure out, you know, what are the best weapons for you to use at that time. So, um, yeah, it's a ton of fun. And, uh, I, I, you know, I like the strategy. I like the arcadiness to it. And I'm really, really glad that they, you know, didn't just like, oh, here's another area to the map. You know, here, go, go fight this boss. I like that it's like a, an actual, like, endurance run because it's a ton of fun to play through. 
and uh, so yeah, the they added co-op to the story mode, but this, the Tower of Sisyphus, is, is just something you do by yourself. But uh, it's you know for anyone who loved Eternal, it's it's a great new mode, and um, I like that they differentiated enough from the main story where you know it, it feels like something new. So I just I just love the arcade style action of Eternal, and I've always been a big fan of that. Um, and uh, well, I guess I guess I saved the big I buried the head the lead. I saved the biggest news for last. I got my platinum trophy in Horizon Forbidden West, which I think I got right after we recorded last week. Uh, phenomenal game. I'm, you know, even after getting the platinum trophy, I've still been playing it this week, trying to over- uncover, you know, all the map, do all the, the side missions and stuff, get all the collectibles. I'm at 92.5%.57% completion, so I'm working my way there. Don't know if I'll get to 100, but I'm trying to do as much as I can in that game. And, and that, to me, is the biggest um, compliment I can, can give to the game, is that even after the platinum trophy, I'm still playing it because I enjoy this game so much. I mean, I'm not like tricky. You know, Tricky's playing on the PS4 because he enjoys the game so much. I'm playing the game just to explore the rest of the world because I love the world building that Gorilla did, and I just want to explore every inch of the world. So, love Horizon Forbidden West. Um, and you know, maybe maybe you guys don't want to talk about this now. I kind of thought of a topic of the week to talk about. We can talk about it now, or we can do it as a topic of the week, whatever. But what do you think denotes a ten game, like a ten out of ten? Because I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, it has to be perfect." Blah blah. To me, a ten game doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you got Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and you've got, you know, issues with the design of that game, like the Water Temple and Jabu Jabu's Belly. But to me, that's a 10 game. Um, something like Shadow of the Colossus, especially on the PS4, I think is a 10 game. And, you know, those games aren't perfect, you know. There are problems with each of them. Honestly, when I look at Horizon Forbidden West, other than some of the technical issues, I can't really think about anything I don't like about that game. So personally, to me, whether you agree or not, in my opinion, Forbidden West is a 10. And... You know, I know that the critical reviews don't reflect that, but I just, but when playing the game, I'm like, yeah, there are small things, but overall, the experience, how it made me feel, how it left me at the end of the game, how much I enjoyed the expansion of the world and the characters that they, the, the new ones they introduced and the ones they fleshed out, like the combat, like everything to me is just as perfect as a game could get. And I don't think to be a 10 game, you have to be flawless. I think you just have to be good enough to get to that, you know, that rank. So. Uh, I guarantee Elden Ring's not a perfect game either, and that game got a bunch of 10s. So that, that to me, I don't know if you guys want to have the discussion now or if you want to save it till later or another show, but um, yeah, I, I to me it's a 10 game, and that's not even, you know, not even saying it's a perfect game, but just throughout playing it, I can't find anything wrong to say that this game doesn't deserve that score. And uh, I love the final mission. The final mission's fantastic, so... To me, a ten game is just uh, 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 all right. There's been long debates about even on like on IGN about what a a ten is because everybody says a ten is a perfect game. Ten is not a perfect game. A ten is a game, in my opinion, that gets you so enthralled in the story that you don't want to put it down. Yeah, I agree. And that, and not, not even just the story, but the gameplay. That the gameplay is so good that you don't want to put it down. Yeah, the whole package. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's the game that I, I you know I hate to sound like an old fogey or you know like a a, a legitimate gamer here, but a, a a game that's a ten to me is a game that I go to bed late because I've been playing it, yep. and the second I wake up, I want to start playing it again. And if I'm at work and I'm thinking about the game, that's a 10 to me. 
because yep. I'm supposed to be focused on work. But if I'm like, I, I wish this clock would move faster. I can get home and play more Horizon or I can pour, play more of The Last of Us. That's a 10 to me. So you're you're kind of with me, and maybe I'm reading you wrong, but to you personally, Horizon's a 10. Yeah, Horizon's a 10 for me. I didn't, like, e- even a game that has bugs, like, Horizon has bugs. Like, the it, it doesn't render perfectly every time. It doesn't do everything. Yeah, it, it, it's not, it's not a game that has, that, it, a 10 to me is not a game that does not have flaws. You could have flaws. You, your audio could be off-synced. You know, the game could crash. I mean, all that stuff should not be happening, but shit happens. And mistakes are made, and something gets overlooked. And if they go back and patch it, that's fine. You know, sometimes, you know, like Donnie used to say, and I hate bringing his name up on the show because he's a jackass. Um, Our favorite. Shout out to your vice president there, Daryl. There you go. Uh, but he would always say, like, he would never buy a console on day one because we're the beta testers. Uh, he would never buy a game day one because it's we're beta testers. I don't believe that. There's no game that comes out that doesn't have flaws. So get that out of your mind right now. Well, and with Horizon, yes, like you mentioned, the technical issues we talked about, like audio dropping out, and in some places, like I'll walk, I walked into a room and the screen would go black for like three seconds, and then it would reload and the screen would be there again. You know, that is a seamless world where there's no loading as you walk into a new area of the world, and even like if you die or you're doing a campfire thing where you're you know using fast travel, load times are less than five seconds. So you know that is a world that technically works extremely well. But, you know, it. There, yes, there are technical problems. And with a game that big, there's always going to be problems. I guarantee Elden Ring's got some of that, too. Of course. But, I mean, like, you know, Returnal's DLC, the, the Ascension DLC, which I talked about, you know, in my little rant there, that to me is a 10 because I just, I play, I spent most of yesterday playing it. I played it into the late hours. You know, Ashley, after Ashley had gone to bed, it's like, okay, I want to get this trophy for beating the third round of the boss fight. And I played until early in the morning, you know, like, not super late, but. There was all that push to play, and, you know, even, you know, we had some stuff to do, we had some errands to run, but, you know, if we were just going to be hanging around the house and we weren't going to do anything together, then, you know, I would have popped it on, and, you know, I would have won to do more rounds of the Tower DLC. You know, it's, it's hard to compare that, you know, a free update and a new content area to an entire game, but, yeah, I mean, I just kind of wondered, because everyone looks at the 10s as a holy grail, and it's like, no game is ever perfect, you know, Ocarina of Time and Shadow of the Colossus are my two favorite games of all time. They're not perfect. I love Mega Man X. Game's not perfect. No game can be. There's always going to be small details that you don't like. But if no no game can ever attain a 10 because it has to be perfect, why even had the, the 10 rating, you know? So, all right. I mean, Daryl, you you didn't get to, to speak much on this. What are your thoughts? I, I, I totally agree with you guys. And um, I'm notorious for liking games that are like... Nowhere near tens as far as the actual critics go. You know, would uh, would give them, but like because my view on a game is if it can grab me and keep me, whether it's gameplay, story, graphics, whatever, if it keeps me engaged and that experience, like Tricky said, has me longing to come back, then that's a ten for me. You know, now I can identify that. Hey, this might not work for everybody else. I can identify that maybe, like this game is not perfect by you know like technical standards and things like that. But like, 
just while you were talking, I was like, man, I can think of several games that grabbed me to the point of I didn't want to do anything else but play these games. The Last of Us, the first one. Um, Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, uh, uh, Horizon, God of War. Like, almost every single Resident Evil game. Like, the first uh, two Resident Evil games especially were like just like four, five, seven uh, village, like those games, like I would get in them and I, I didn't want to leave. Like I wanted to do everything. I didn't want to miss anything because the gameplay was fun. The graphics were great. The story was great. The sound design had me, in, you know, fully engaged. So I agree. It doesn't have to be a perfect game and it doesn't have to be a game for everybody to be a 10 for me. All right. Just, just, uh, Alex, I got a question for you. I have a thoughtful scale? answer. On a scale from one to ten, how would you rate a six? Is that a good game? I would say middling. Like, I think it's one of those games that has the kind of essence of greatness, but whether an execution or ideas just doesn't pan out. Like, it's it's like noticeable flaws that keep you from fully enjoying the game. I think that you know uh, a great game or like a good game, you know. Seven and above, a great game. Eight and above, I think once you get to six, it's kind of middling. So that to me, I'm trying to think of a game that I would I would consider middling. I can't can't think of anything right now, but I, I think that six is like I I kind of enjoy this, but I don't. Or like I, it's kind of like I want. It's not just straight up bad, but it's like I want to enjoy this, but I don't enjoy this as much as I should because of some other things. Okay. So like middling to fair. Well, just so you know, my name is Mayo got a six. <laughs> well, I guess for what it is, you kind of have to take it on that scale. But I think that, you know, the discussion review scores, if people look at it as like, oh, anything less than a nine is an insult. You know, if you your favorite game gets less than a nine, oh, that's, that's not good enough. Whereas, you know, it's ridiculous. I think that, you know, Horizon on, on Metacritic was like an 8.8. And that game is, you know, if Horizon is an 8.8 and Elden Ring really is like a 10, like Elden Ring's gameplay must be just fucking insane because Horizon is a phenomenal game. And I just love so many aspects of it. So, I mean, there's obviously, like, I know that people have talked about in the past getting rid of review scores and just doing like a written review. Does does IGN still give a score? Yes. Okay. Because I know that there are some places that straight just don't give a number anymore. They just make, they want you to read the entire article. But... Uh, actually, IGN started the uh, too long, didn't read uh, right at the bottom. Just says, "Okay, this is the score, and this is what you missed." Yeah, like the pros and cons, kind of. Yep. All right, uh, let's move on here because I just you know we're it's WrestleMania weekend, and you know I got more wrestling, superior wrestling than AW to watch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into our first topic, as is customary on the new show of the month. We are going to tell you what you're going to be getting for PlayStation Plus. Uh, For PlayStation Plus, there's no list, so I'm just going to have to read the article. Uh, This is coming from IGN. Uh, We are going to be getting Hood, Outlaws, and Legends for the PS4 and PS5. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. It's a game that we, me and Daryl are not allowed to play. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why can't we play that one? You don't think that's a... No, that's a full-blown game. What's the... What's the... How long... Uh, or even the... 
What's the trophy guy say? I thought that one was like a 12-hour platinum. Uh, I'll look yeah. it up while you keep going. And we're going to get Slay the Spire. This is information coming from the PlayStation blog. All three of these games will be made will be made available at no extra cost to PlayStation Plus subscribers on Tuesday, April 5th. So as you listen to this, they were available as of yesterday. Uh, the article does go on to outline the new PlayStation Plus, which we will be talking about later in the show as our topic of the week. I'm talking very slowly, so Daryl has time to look I'm good. I'm ready. 13 hours. So That's a real okay. game there, bro. All right, so I guess we can play it. And I believe the Metacritic on that one is uh, is pretty high because that one is one of the SpongeBob games that uh, is very well regarded. So I've never been a SpongeBob fan. So, so okay, so it's a six point eight um, as far as the critic score, but the users give it a eight point nine. So the PlayStation fans have spoken. That is a good game, borderline. Excellent game for with a 13-hour platinum. Totally fair for us to play. All right. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on the PlayStation Plus games? So I think this is the first month in a while because we have been getting leaks. And for the most part, the leaks in the past, like I feel like, half year have been pretty right, dead on about what games are coming out. Obviously, we saw leaks about LEGO, the LEGO Star Wars Skywalker Saga being included in this. And, you know, obviously not right at all. I don't I mean... None of these games, would I have gone out and bought any of these games otherwise? No. But, again, that's, you know, that's the best thing about PlayStation Plus is, you know, well, I mean, besides getting a game, saving $60 or $70 in a game that's given to you for free, but another great thing about it is, like, games that you wouldn't necessarily try, like, this gives you a chance to try them for free. And, you know, I know Hood is a game that we talked about on this show, you know, it's very multiplayer heavy, and how we were all kind of lukewarm to it, you know, with Robin Hood. I definitely can see an exciting game being made out of that. But, you know, the way they were doing it, we were all kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. But this gives us the chance to not have to pay for it and get, you know, entry into the world. So I, I think that it is a good month to try out some new games that you wouldn't necessarily play. And I think that that is a, you know, you know, not getting games that you were going to buy in the first place isn't a bad thing. So I, I think that this could be a good month of PlayStation Plus. It just depends on how good the games are. Daryl? I agree. Um, uh, you know, Hood was the one I was up on, uh, up in the area with because when that was advertised, I was like, "How do you do a multiplayer centric Robin Hood game?" Um, so I, I never even, I never gave it the time of day. So getting that for PS Plus, that's perfect for me. Uh, the SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, I'm actually excited about because I played the, you know, the PlayStation Vita SpongeBob Hero Pants, and that was actually pretty good. That was a good game. And so that one wasn't even the most highly regarded from the SpongeBob fan base. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm I'm pretty good with that. All right. So some comments from the Facebook group as I posted this up there. Uh, Yield uh, says, "Well, they all can't be winners." And I responded by saying, "You were interested in hoods." He says, "Until I found it was multiplayer, then I haven't paid attention to it since. I won't even take it, giving it to. I, I won't even take it, giving it to me for free." Um. And then, as I tell everybody, whether you're interested in the game or not, still put it in your library because if you change your mind in the future, at least you have it. Uh, and which Yield responded, I have no intention of playing any of those games, but I'm sure others are happy and that is good. 
Uh, Homer says, I'll have to rewatch a trailer for Slay the Spire. I think that was on my keep an eye on list. Uh, Robert Workman says, sure beats the Xbox lineup, which I don't even know what's on that. Oh, they're so bad, dude. <laughs> and and uh, what, what we're talking about is games for gold, not the, right, the, right, the Game Pass lineup. Because, I mean, look, if you're going to put out the game games they're giving on Game Pass, which are Xbox's biggest games day and date, Games for Gold has to be shit. Like you can't it make has it comparable. Yeah. yeah, you're you're I'm, correct. I'm looking up right now what, uh, what the games are going to be. Uh, no, that's for March. They're usually pretty trash, dude. They're like, like, and I say trash, like they're just they're not quality games. They're not, you know, nothing that you would go out and. Oh man, I really need this. Uh, apparently they're getting another site. And Outpush Kali X, uh, both were originally came out on the 360, and both games received diversive reviews when they released, uh, but have since been reappraised by gamers and met with recognition over the years. Uh, uh, this is this is good for anybody that enjoys single player adventure games or in depth light hearted tycoon builders. Okay. So, there you go. That's what you get for Games Pass. Or or Games for Gold, sorry. All right, our next topic. uh, I didn't put it in the agenda because there's really, uh, I mean, there's multiple links for it. They all say the same thing. E3 2022 has officially been canceled. No digital, no physical show. Uh, Again, just going straight from the Facebook group. Uh, Nitro posted in there, and only one comment was made. That was from Yield. He said, let's face it, E3 has become a shell of its former self. It's better this way. So uh, as the you know the information is out there, uh, we don't know why it was canceled. We assume that it probably has to do with something with COVID. Uh, but I will go to Alex first. Alex, do you agree with Yield that uh, E3 has officially been uh, a, a, former, a shell of its former self? And do we even still need E3? Oh, well, first, I, I don't think it's necessarily COVID-related because, again, I play Pokemon Go, and they've announced recently that they're going to do an in-person Pokemon Go, which has tens of thousands of people gathered together in a park to catch Pokemon, and as well as a virtual event like they've done for the last couple of years in consideration of COVID. So I don't necessarily think it's COVID-related, to be perfectly honest. I think that what we found is that with all the Nintendo Directs and the Sony State of Plays, the industry has outgrown the need for E3 because it used to be for E3 is like, you know, a big marketing event and a way to promote your games. You know, the way that information is disseminated these days, you don't need that. So I, I think the need for E3, like E3 is kind of like a dinosaur. You know, it'll eventually become fuel that we can use in our cars and our homes and stuff. But I feel like we have moved past E3 and we don't need E3. Now, PAX is still... You know, great events because you can go and play the games. It's not just for media. It's not to promote. I mean, in a way, it's to promote things, yes. But, you know, allowing people to play the games ahead of time, that's more of like a very fan-centric gathering. So we we just don't need a trade show like E3 anymore. All right. Uh, Actually, I just looked up the IGN article to see if they have a a statement. Uh, And there's an update to the article that says the ESA has shared an official statement with IGN confirming the E3 cancellation and announcing that E3 will return in 2023 with a 
reinvigorated showcase. Quote, we will devote all our energy and resources to to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Whether enjoyed from the show floor or your favorite devices, the 2023 showcase will bring the community, media, and industry back together in an all-new format and interactive experience. We look forward to presenting E3 to the fans around the world live from Los Angeles in 2023. The ESA adds that the 2022 showcase has been canceled so the organization can, quote, focus on its resources for the 2023 show. So they didn't Darryl, have enough, they didn't have money to put this that's together. What, that's what it is, yep. And, you know, if it were COVID-related, they would still do the digital one, but they're not doing digital at all, so that tells you what it's all about. It's about that they don't have the funding for it because, you know, I'm sure Sony and other partners pulling out of it and not going to it hurts their funding a lot. Yep. All right, Daryl? Uh... How did you? How do you feel about the cancellation? It sucks, man. Like I'm a huge E3 fan. Like I love, you know, I look forward to it. Like I treated E3 like a wrestling pay per view back, you know, back in the day. Like we shut it down in the house, and like I don't ever like around here. It's like I don't ever like, hey, everybody, leave me alone. I'm doing this thing, you know. It's usually like wrestling pay per views, which we, you know. We don't even do those anymore because the, you know, the WWE Network and Peacock made them so accessible, and y'all can just watch them whenever. Can we just uh, say and then E three sucks. Do what? I said, can we just all agree that Peacock sucks? Uh, I mean, I I just became a Peacock subscriber, and I don't love it. But you know, the De- WWE definitely Network not is- as bad as Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is awful. The Sorry. fact that I if I go into a pay per view. You know, ten minutes late. I can't start from the beginning. I have to watch where it's from at. There, yeah, yeah. And then you have to wait in like three hours after the show's over for the new show to, for the replay to be live. Uh, see, that sucks. I see. I've been. Uh, I quit watching the pay per views and stuff after the all digital or you know that the, the no audience event that they did two years ago when Undertaker and AJ Styles had the Boneyard match. Like I, I that was so boring. That you I just, the Boneyard match was boring? I, that was the best part of it, and I oh, didn't okay. I didn't think it was great. No. I don't wow. like those little... I, I, mean, I, I mean, I and I love AJ Styles. That's my favorite wrestler on the WWE roster. Um, but I don't I don't love the off-site skit matches, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't love the one that the Hardy Boys did where Willow showed up, you know, like... I just, that's not what I like. I like being in an arena. I like hearing the crowd feeding off that energy, you know, like half of the show is interacting and building that up. So, and that's my opinion, but so I haven't been watching it. So I, for, for mania this year, because of, you know, the rumored stone cold return and the rumored Cody Rhodes return, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll totally get mania and I'll be a Peacock subscriber. And so this is, you know, 24 hours now is all I've experienced with it so far. It's been fine. And you probably got a free trial, so you didn't even have to pay for it. I, I didn't even look. I just did the $5. So I didn't understand the, the tier system, though, because it's like you can watch most everything on Peacock for free with commercials. Right. And then there's the, for $5, you get the premium, but then there's premium plus. And I didn't realize that for WWE Network, to get the pay-per-views, you got to do premium. But for premium plus, you don't have to see the ads. So I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. It's stupid. So. Yeah, I mean. Okay, we'll go, we'll go back to E3 in a second. But the Premium Plus is when they do like when they normally do the commercials, they're showing another highlight reel, so you're not really missing anything. Gotcha. Okay. 
So, but yeah, so right, E3, so I missed it. I, I, I will miss it. I hate it not being a thing. The state of plays are stale, in my opinion. Like, they're, I love the information they're showing, and usually there's something on there for me. Um, but just like the, uh, the, the Nintendo directs, like they're, they have no personality. There's no, like it's, it's a commercial, you know, you've, you've, it's a, it's a highlight reel of commercials. So, um, I liked E3. I like, again, there's a live audience. There's excitement. Like when we went to the movie theaters to see PlayStation's conference, like that was freaking amazing. Like being in a room full of PlayStation fans during the E3 press conference, Dude, that room would explode with announcements. Like my wife doesn't care anything about video games or the the, the trailers, but the the experience. We'd go in there. I mean, we got our drinks, we got our popcorn, and then they show Final Fantasy VII remake, and then you got you know four hundred sweaty nerds in there screaming, people <laughs> falling out on the floors. Like it is incredible. And when they showed the Shinmu trailer, somebody stood up in the arena screaming, "Yes, it's Shinmu!" Like he about died, and all it was like, "Whoa, it's 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 a it's a it's a feather." I didn't even understand, you know, like. When they showed the Last Guardian in the, in there, dude, the freaking place erupted. So, going to you know, going to those events. I mean, they showed. So, me and B Button guy, one of my old co-hosts, we went to E3 together, and when they showed off uh, Resident Evil Village, not Village, um, Resident Evil Seven, and that was incredible being in there and and like experiencing that with the whole room blowing up over something that I I'm super into. So I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to even get to get a watch it at my house with my surround sound and my kids interrupting me. So it's kind of sucks. See, the one thing I'll miss about E3, and you know, maybe this is a little bit me being a Sony pony and a fanboy, was back when they were re- revealing the uh, Xbox One and Microsoft came out and they were like, oh, you can't game share, you can't do yeah. this, you can't do that. Then the Sony conference comes out and you see the video of Adam Boys. Yeah. And, uh, and Shuhei. <laughs> Shuhei's like, this is how you share a game. And they just, yes, that was so good. So, Video no, over. We're not going to get that. Or Jack Triton come on, you know, the E3 stage is like, uh, we're not going to, there's no DRM. You can trade your games. You can do whatever you want. And the the, the audience just exploded. exploded. Yes. And I even saw my boy, uh, uh, Hip Hop Gamer, step up. He's in the video. You see him step up. He's clapping. I was like, yeah, it's my boy right there. Yeah, it's. I, that's what I miss about E3, and I like. I like the state of plays, like you said, Daryl. But it, it's just, it's so impersonal. Yep. That it takes me out of the experience. Like I, I sit here, and ex- as excited as I get about PlayStation, and you know, I watch these videos. Now I feel like I watch these videos just so I can come on this show and talk about it more than I'm watching these videos to get yep. excited about something. Yeah. Because we're not we're not experiencing it together, you know. Like you know, when we're all watching E three together, we're all you know in a call together, or we're on our phones, you know, texting each other, like holy crap, holy crap, you know. And it's like you know, you know that with E three, it's not going to be twenty minutes of here's all the announcements, and then maybe next week we'll get another one, maybe six months from now we'll get another one. E three was like it was build up, it was hype, it was like here is. The ball drop. Here's the big one. And and so if it's not an E3, the possibility of it showing up this year is pretty slim. Now, granted, Game Awards has supplemented that, you know, but like, I don't, it, it, E3 has always felt like the Super Bowl for us PlayStation nerds, you know? 
and yep. Xbox nerds and all that stuff. They don't all have games, though. So, so yeah. let, let me throw this question out there then. You know, Sony doing these state of plays throughout the year, does Sony or Nintendo or Microsoft need to create their own quote-unquote Super Bowl WrestleMania where it's like, we'll do smaller state of plays throughout the year, but then there's one big one. You know, yeah, like absolutely. at a certain point throughout the year. Because, I mean, I'm sorry, E3 at this point is fledgling. Like, it's just flailing. You know, whether they bring it back or not is one thing, but they didn't have enough money. They didn't have the funds to put the show on this year. And, you know, given how far it's fallen from where it used to be, I don't think we can always count on E3 being there. So should every platform holder have, like, a giant weekend or whatever or like at night uh i would prefer well, like a friday or saturday so i could watch it yeah but- well go back to go back to the the years like microsoft always went on what sunday night playstation went on monday night uh nintendo was always monday morning they they all had their own conferences and I mean, let's be real. They don't have to go to E3 to put on those shows. You're they right. can rent out it. They can rent out a theater. And and a little known fact that people don't realize, all those conferences were not at E3. Like E3 does, didn't start until after those conferences were over. Technically, and, you're and, correct, and yes. a lot and a lot of people don't realize that. When they say that Sony's pulling out of E3, that means they're not going to be on the show floor. That does not mean that they weren't doing a press conference ahead of time. Now, that's what a lot of people heard. And, you know, Sony didn't do a big conference like that. I think they the first year they pulled out, they actually still did a, uh, for lack of better terms, a showcase. But they were... That's what they mean when they say Microsoft and Sony are not going to E3. It means they're not going to be on the show floor. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not putting on a conference. So to answer your question, Alex, yes, they still need to do that because Devolver Digital started doing their own show, Bethesda started doing their own show. Um, what What's the company that made uh, uh, Control? Uh, Remedy. Re- not, not Remedy. Oh, Remedy developed it. Who published it? Sorry. It was really uh, five, five or five games published. Five or five oh, okay. games. Um, they started doing their own shows. So those are the 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 those conferences got us hype, and that's like what Daryl was saying. It's like there was an excitement of leading up to going. Okay, what are we gonna find out? Look at the 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 God of War twenty eighteen thing. Nobody fucking saw that coming. Nope. And then they saw Kari Borlog sitting in the stands with a controller in his hand, playing a live demo of the game. And everybody's like, oh, this is pre-rendered. No, he was up there playing it because he was like, let's get this out there. And then they showed him playing the game. That's the hype that I get. That's the excitement I like. Well, you know, like Alex was saying, having these little interstitial state of plays and Nintendo Directs throughout the year can happen. But we need the big event. You know, we need the PSX, the, the celebration event, you know. We right. need uh, the the Microsoft Fan Expo that they did when they go down to Mexico City and they're like have this giant Xbox fest. You know what I'm saying? Like we need that, or I don't, I, I don't know that we need it, but I mean I really want it. You know, like I love that that big event that says, "Hey, we did it. This is the end of the year. This is our big thing. We all gathered together. We celebrate." <laughs> Excuse me, and. You know, like that was so much fun. And you know what? That's when PlayStation was at its best. You know, when we were having the the big E3 conferences and the theaters all over the United States, 
and we were having the uh, the, the the PSX event where people were going and seeing all these games and and just celebrating PlayStation. Like that's when it was at its best. That but then we ha- we had personalities back then. We had Sean Layden, we had Shuhei, like we had Adam Boys. I mean, we had all these guys that Kevin like Butler. Do what? Kevin Butler. I mean, this is after Butler, but yeah, even back then. So, I don't know, man. Like, I just, uh, I, I do wish we still had something like that. And I think, personally, from a business standpoint, you know, somebody out there, I mean, the, even kind of funny, which I can't, I really can't stand those guys, but like, they've done it. They've done their own little showcases, you know, in, in, in lieu of no E3. They've done the indie showcases and they've, they've put on their own little events or whatever, but it's not like, it's not like a live event. It's more like a, like a digital thing where they do the little skits and stuff in between. Like, like I mean, if somebody out there surely could stand to make some money off of this. Right. I mean, like look at Jeff Keighley coming in with the game awards, but the majority of the thing about the game awards is, is all the events, you know, I mean, all the, excuse me, all the announcements and stuff. So I just think that, um, somebody should put something together out there. You know, and could stand to make a little bit of money off of it. Well, to be fair, when you talk about a big event, I mean, they still do Tokyo Game Show, which is a huge, huge event over there. So, I mean, maybe yeah. that exists, just not here in the United States. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, Gamescom is. What is it? Gamescom has up to 400,000 gamers in one place at one time playing games. That's incredible. All right, just in the interest of time, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, got a little bit of bad news. Sony has reportedly laid off 90 people amid a shift away from retail. This is coming from IGN. It is written by Rebecca Valentine. Sony PlayStation has reportedly laid off around 90 employees in North America in an apparent move to focus on a more direct-to-consumer direct marketing over brick-and-mortar sales. According to a report by Axios, Sony is shutting down its merchandiser team in the U.S., a group that included individuals whose job was to connect with the retail store staff and prepare them to sell PlayStation products. Other retail marketing jobs were also impacted by the layoffs. Leadership reportedly explained the cuts as a part of a global transformation of Sony sales and business operation. This is just a move away from focusing on retail sales in favor of direct-to-consumer marketing, especially as digital sales of games continue to grow and thrive. Sony did not comment on the layoffs. Well, man. The same- oh, sorry. I thought you were done, Tree. Oh, in the same week, Sony unveiled its Xbox game comparator and a revamped PlayStation Plus, which we will be talking about that soon. I I love how they all like try to uh, like make their stories bigger by adding a previous news. Uh so yeah. So what do you think about this, Alex? You were getting ready to say something. Simultaneously, giving the finger to GameStop and Yield. Yep. Um, yep. I, so <laughs> and yield. I think it's important <laughs> because me. because yeah. of all the acquisitions that have gone on, and people are like, "Oh, they're gonna you know eventually have to lay off people, blah blah blah," because they're spending too much money. All these all these game companies. This is not their studios. This is not PlayStation Studios. They are letting people go who worked in like you know the retail side of things. So nobody who makes games is getting laid off. I just want to you know get ahead of that, and, and you know because I'm sure people see the story and they're like, "Oh my god, they're already starting to get rid of studio." No, they're not touching the studio side. It's them working away from retail and going more to the digital market. So uh, this to me is just a natural, just a natural like occurrence. It's like, it's a, it's a progression in their game strategy. And you can see it with Xbox too. I'm sure Microsoft is, you know, they're they're obviously focused on the digital side of things as well. Nintendo less so. So this is going to impact, you know, Nintendo less. They're going to be the slowest to adopt this kind of thing. But yeah, 
we're moving away from physical games. You can you can see this. It's happened with music, happened with movies, and guess what? It's gonna happen in the games market too. So I mean, it's just it's a natural progression, and and yeah. I like to think of it as the natural regression because every one of those industries have been hurt from this this move. Um, but yeah, we are. You're correct. I mean, we're we're getting ready to take a big hit on physical gaming. I mean, what was it? Most of the reports are that, that, you know, over 50% of games purchased are digital now. So convenience is a beautiful thing, but I guess when you say those other industries were hurt, Daryl, I think what I assume that you mean is, you know, people may not go to the movies because they'll be like, okay, well, I'll just wait for it to come to a streaming service or, Hey, I'm not going to go buy this movie on DVD or Blu-ray because I'll just have it on a streaming service, stuff like that. Well, the, yeah, and like um, like the music industry, especially like people don't buy f- physical albums. You know, people don't even buy digital albums anymore because streaming services have made that so much easier and so much more convenient. So um, now it's like an artist; the only way you can make money is to tour, play live, and sell sell merchandise. And if that w- if that's not your stick or that's not what you're doing, I mean, you're you're hurt. Um, now, granted, I'm just a tiny, tiny little you know, piece of that system, you know, like a, I'm, I'm pennies on the dollar. But you know, I talk with bands and I talk with artists all the time, and it's like it's 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 very, very difficult um, to you know to especially, do anything to make any kind of money, now, any kind like, of return on your investment. Yeah, so. especially now. I mean, you can make you know an, an album of twenty songs, and you can't even sell the twenty songs as a package anymore. You have to you just sell individual songs. Yep. So you like you. Like you may charge twelve dollars for the entire album, but you know somebody will go on and buy five songs that off yep. your album for five dollars, and now you've lost seven dollars of that sale. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so and somebody it, it, probably never hear a song that you made. Yeah, you're right. And so, like, uh, just to use that as an example, because I've had this conversation on with our community a lot, and and it's like, you know, nowadays, and and this is more so on the smaller end of the spectrum but like I've listened to you know big bands talk about how this is how it is for them now too it's like when when you're working with like a record label um I've the contracts that have been sent to me and the contracts that I've personally laid my eyes on the record labels want you to produce the album yourself and then they want to sign you on handle marketing and you know branding and things like that or whatever and then you get like some sort of split, whether it's a 50 50 split, a 70 30 split, whatever, you know. And, you know, it's it, reading these things, it's like all of the cost is in creating, you know, like, like all the all of the uh, costs occurred is into the creating, you know, creating the music itself. I mean, some of these studios, you know, you'll spend tens of thousands of dollars, you know. And then these bigger artists are spending, you know what I'm saying, $60,000 to make an album. You know, more than that. So, I mean, obviously your pop stars and stuff like that, or when they're hiring 90 writers, you know what I'm saying, for six words. It's 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 crazy. So that translates across the board. Like, look at movies and stuff now. Like, sure, we have a lot of big films, you know, and we have a lot of things that are, that are good. But if you take a thousand, you know, f- foot view of the movie industry, everything is rehashes and remakes. And then when something sticks, it's like, well, do you p- let's put all our eggs into that basket. I don't feel like we're getting the quality or the types of movies like we used to get, you know what I'm saying, pre-streaming age. It's 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 it seems risky. It seems like it's like, well, I mean, I can make this and no one's going to watch it, you know, no one's going to buy it. 
could maybe get a deal on a streaming service where it gets buried. Or, you know, we can kind of do like, oh, what's hot, what's popular right now? Let's do another superhero film. So. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything else to add with you guys. We'll move on to our next topic here, uh, which is just like a bastard topic. We reported on last week's show that Fortnite was considering a permanent no-build battle royale, and apparently Epic has agreed they are going to keep this in the future. It's making it a permanent thing. It's going to be called Fortnite Zero Build. My kids love it, dude. My kids absolutely love that mode. So no build? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's fresh. It, it's doing something different. But, like, my son, you know, he's 11. He's about to be 12. He's been playing Fortnite for years. And he's kind of like, all right, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. They've revamped the season. They come out with new content. They change the map. But then they're like, hey, no more building. Now it's a straight shooter. And yep. granted, for the main Battle royal mode, that's just the event they're in. But they're going to keep that, you know, long term. And my son came out the other day. He said, Dad, I think they got me back. He goes, this is awesome. It takes all the char- the, the people who can't actually play shooters, and they can just kind of build their way to victory. Yep. And he's like, now you can't do that anymore. Now you actually have to face me. So yep. now this game is a shooter. So I've played Fortnite with them, and I've played it with them a lot, You know, at least for a while there. And, dude, I can't hang. I would get to the final two, and I would lose because someone built a freaking treehouse on me, and then I get stuck in the storm. Like I, I couldn't do it. You play now, shooter. I can win. So. All right. Uh, last bit of Fortnite news we have here is we also announced that Epic Games would be donate donating all of its proceeds to uh, the people affected by the war in U- Ukraine uh, for two two week period. Um, as of March twenty fifth, the donations have amounted up to seventy million dollars, which is incredible. Ooh, yeah, and w- with the announcement that. You know, they're taking, at least they're going to have a no build, no build, you know, mode going on. Like, I've seen a lot of positivity coming out of that from the the Fortnite player base. You know, it's like with any game, focus on your strongest aspects and kind of keep your weakest ones out of the fray. And it seems like the shooting aspect is why people come to play Fortnite instead of people jacking around and building shit just for no reason at all. So it, you know, they finally, I mean, I'm sure they've taken, you know, they've done analysis and they've got you know feedback and testimonials but the the shooting is the main thing of the game so whatever you can take out of there that hinders it and make that better and just get straight to the fun stuff that's i mean that's the smartest thing you can do all right uh at this point uh yield is not here so i'm gonna play this from uh mr joseph Priestley. time to check my social media yeah and as I hit that button, I clicked the wrong button and went away from it. Uh, okay, so I put it in the Facebook group. Uh, some people wanted to leave some comments. Uh, Homer started off with two questions. First one, which is your which is the best Transformer? Daryl, we'll go to you first. So I am not really the biggest Transformers fan, but I love the Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah, yeah, and you remember that Raptor um, that he was like a Decepticon, but he was kind of working with the that, Autobots. That yeah, dude, I liked him. He was he was pretty awesome. Uh, Alex, well, I do really like. It's one of the things that you know, good that Michael Bay did for Transformers is, even if the movies were kind of comedically terrible at times, 
I love the personality that the Transformers had and like how they looked very different. Like, I mean, they were easy to tell apart, whereas like on the cartoon, a lot of them kind of look the same just because, you know, animation wasn't as advanced back then. But like Ironhide from the movie, from the Michael Bay movies, I always really liked him. He was the gruff, the, the gruff tough guy and, you know, the seasoned vet. And he, like someone kind of, uh, one of my friends compared him to Wolverine of the X-Men. And it's kind of, yeah, that kind of fits. So I always liked Ironhide, my favorite. And I'm going to pull from Beast Wars because my stepbrother and I always watched the show together. We all, we, you know, we collected the the figures. I really love Rhinox, the uh, the big old Maximal, Ooh, yeah. the, the equivalent Autobot, uh, basically a giant rhino who was like kind of like the Donatello of the group. He was the smart one, like the professor, but he could also just devastate people in a fight because he was a big, tough, armored dude. So Rhinox is my favorite, and I am actually excited to, what, to see what they do in the next movie because obviously the next Transformers movie is focusing on the Beast Wars. All right, did you see the uh, video I put, put in the Facebook group of the the trucks coming out being filmed? I did not. Uh, it, it is your, on your favorite platform, TikTok, so you might not want to watch it. But uh, under Homer's comment, uh, next question, I posted the video. Homer goes on. Oh, uh, my best Transformer. Uh, I, I did watch the show as a kid, so all I have is the base on the movies. And based off the movies, my I, I have to say Bumblebee. All right, so with that being said, Homer goes on to ask the next question. And in the same vein, did you like the Autobots more or the Decepticons? Daryl, we'll go with you. Um, oh, man. I, I mean, I kind of like the Decepticons, but I'm notorious for liking the bad guy and things. So. All right, Alex? Autobots, baby. Autobots slash Maximals fighting for right. The good guys. Because, I mean, whenever I try to play a video game, I if there's like a, hey, do you want to be a bad guy? Hey, do you want to be a good guy? Like within Infamous, I always pick the good guy. So, All right. And uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess I say the Autobots. but <laughs> Which which one represents Devil's Advocate? That's that's the one that tricky no, likes I mean, to play. I don't know. Because, I, I, like I said, I, I wasn't really that big into Transformers. Uh there are some Decepticons I like. I like the, uh, uh, again, I have the basis off the movie, but the uh, the Decepticon that uh, Megan Fox turned good in the movie. I don't, I don't know his name. What? In the movie, yeah. They, in the second movie, Megan Fox, whoever her character was, uh, there was that little small Decepticon. Oh, like Wheelie? Was it Wheelie? I don't think it was really. Uh, no, anyway. um, I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I, I can't remember his name. Um, Brains? No, I can't. No, I can't remember it? the name of the. Hold on. But but he, he turned good, so well, I'll go with that. And then Daryl put a uh, a troll thing of the overrated crybabies FTR in the, the chat. Uh, you mean that was the, supposed to be mean the AAA tag team champions and ROH tag team champions. The they, best team are on overrated. Earth, FTR. Yes, yes. They are, they are overrated bitch crybabies. Hey, babies. go look at most rankings of tag teams, and guess who's at the top of that list? Almost all that the time. That was a year FTR. ago. That was a year ago. Dude, no, dude, the list I sent you, I also looked at other lists, and guess which team didn't appear on the, any of those lists? The Usos. <sighs> the best team out there right now. Uh, I disagree. Yes. <laughs> Well, okay, there are other tag teams that are better than the Usos, but the Usos are an established tag team. 
we'll, we'll yeah, just go there. WWE likes to split up tag teams, except the tag teams that are old and tired and have no innovation well, to what I, they're doing. So well, I'm, I'm the tag teams they should have split up a long time ago, they they don't. I'm watching WrestleMania right now, and uh, RK Bro is coming out. So that's a tag team that I think is good, even though I can't stand I mean, Riddle. We, but we can get into this later. But I, no, my idea is let's do team. wrestling talk after the end of the show, so people. Will listen I, to I'm just telling you, they're overrated bitch crybabies. No, all the, right, dude, don't so, don't say that when uh, FTR versus Briscoes was rated by a lot of people as the best match of the weekend. When every oh tag team match God. at WrestleMania this year is throwaway. Like that event would be better by getting rid of all those matches. All right, I'm, 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 I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna engage with you. All right, so our topic of the week uh, is coming from PlayStation Plus's official revamp. Uh, there are two links with this, but they basically uh, coincide together. This is written by Joe Scribbles over at IGN. Sony has finally revealed its Xbox games. Game Pass competitor as an all-new PlayStation Plus that brings together the existing PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now into a three-tier subscription service that includes up to 700 games and access to retro games at the top tier. It will open for some markets in June and roll out worldwide regionally after that. After months of reports and even longer being speculated about, Sony has revealed its new service it consists of three tiers, PlayStation Plus Essential, PlayStation Plus Extra, and PlayStation Plus Premium. As part of the move, PlayStation Now will be closed down with the new members migrated into the Premium tier at no extra charge at launch. At its top tier, the new PlayStation Plus will offer over 700 games for streaming and download, including streaming on PC, and the library will be regularly refreshed PlayStation 3 games will be available as streaming titles only, while PS1, PS2, and PSP games will come with a download or streaming options. Sony has made it clear that, at least now, first-party exclusives will not be launched into the service for any tier unlike Xbox Game Pass. The service will launch with the likes of Death Stranding, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, and Returnal. Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan told Game Industry that there's a diverse lineup to come, quote, whether it's indies or it's big games or things that celebrate our heritage, all sorts of games, we are going to have it all and hopefully a lineup that ticks all sorts of boxes, end quote. The new service will ro- roll out regionally, beginning in several markets in Asia in June, followed by North America, Europe, and the rest of the world. No dates have been offered as of yet. Uh, let's talk about pricing. PlayStation Plus Essential. The Essential is the same PlayStation Plus you have now and no changes to its current pricing. It includes two monthly downloadable games, discounts, saved game, cloud storage, and access to online multiplayer for most games. PlayStation Plus Extra. The Extra tier will include all the Essential benefits, so basically everything I just said, and adds a catalog of around 400 PS4 and PS5 games that can be downloaded at any time while you're a member. It includes fir- it, it includes first party and third party games, but no new exclusives will launch into this service. In the US, it will cost you $15 a month, $40 quarterly, and $100 yearly. Um and then we have PlayStation Plus Premium, which a lot of people I feel are going to be uh getting 
Premium includes all the essential and extra benefits and adds an additional 340 games to the catalog, including PS1, PS2, and PSP games for streaming and download. PS3 games will also be available, but only to stream. Streaming can be carried out on a PS4, PS5, and PC. Premium members will also receive limited-time trials of some games. In the U.S., it will cost you $18 a month, $50 quarterly, and $120 yearly. Uh, While Sony says it is looking to increase coverage for cloud streaming across the world, regions without access to it will will instead get a different tier, Deluxe, which removes streaming and thus all PS3 games from the premium tier but comes at a lower price. Deluxe will seemingly not be available outside of these regions. While the new PlayStation Plus bears similarities in approach to Game Pass, there are multiple differences. Not in least in how exclusives are handled. Xbox Game Pass has arguably been one of the most important decisions Microsoft has made about its gaming business in recent years. Offering a rotating selection of games, including first-party titles on launch day as part of the subscription. And in tying in game clou- cloud gaming and other perks of the more ex- expensive Ultimate tier, it has been an enormously popular move, and Microsoft CEO Phil Spencer previously called PlayStation, PlayStation's response to Game Pass, quote, in, 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 oh, I can't say the word. Inevitability. Inevitability. There you go. Now, I made a comment while I was reading this about the PlayStation Plus uh, premium thing. I say that because I think... And this is going to be a hot take. I think people that own PlayStation Now currently are going to benefit from this the most rather than just PlayStation Plus members that like Alex. So me and Daryl, we're going to get a, a better tier for the length of our now than you would, Alex, because you don't have PlayStation Now. Uh, so I think this kind of screws over just PlayStation Plus people. No, I mean, you can, you, I, think you it, can have I don't now. think it rewards PlayStation Now can, users. On, I don't think on, it screws hold, over hold, PlayStation hold Plus. On, hold on, hold on. Let me finish my statement. I think it I think it screws those people over because if you don't have Plus but you have Now, you're going to get premium for free, which now includes everything, where if you just had Plus and didn't have Now, you're only going to still have Plus. Go ahead, Alex. No, I mean, I even if the the people at PlayStation Now are getting something that's really good, like I think this is the best thing they could have done for people. And you know, we had discussed, well, how are they going to handle the PlayStation Now subscriptions? I think they did. They made the best decision possible. I'm not mad at people who have PlayStation Now and are getting PlayStation Premium because I'm I'm happy with the fact that I, the one thing I said they cannot do is change the current baseline for PlayStation Plus. People are most people seem to be happy with PlayStation Plus and what they get from that. The way it is now, leave that as a tier. If you're going to make a multi-tiered system, leave it alone. And they've done that. So they made two direct decisions in giving PlayStation Now what I think is a really great deal and migrating them to PlayStation Premium, PlayStation Plus Premium, and then also keeping PlayStation Plus as it was intact as the bottom tier. So I think they made two great choices there. So I'm I'm not mad at all. I don't feel screwed at all because PlayStation Now users, they... Um, like they're they're getting a great deal, but I'm not mad about that. I'm I'm happy that they're keeping. I'm still getting the same thing for what I'm for what I'm paying. All right, Daryl. Dude, I think it's cool. Like I said, you and I already have all like we're at the top of what we can 
subscribe to for PlayStation anyways. So um, the fact that they're adding PS1, PS2, PSP games, I think it's very exciting. I'm hoping that it's, you know, like like good stuff. It's not like, oh, you got pat upon, you know, like like I hope it's not just that. You know what I'm saying? Like I hope it's like everything. Um a really you know, like vast catalog. Because they have so many amazing first party games that could be that we could have, you know, with, with that. And it's just exciting that like we could be potentially getting some really cool stuff for the membership we already have. So, and it does seem like that the overall consensus for PS now has stayed like, you know, not positive. So it's time to dump it and try something new. And I think the tier system is, is a good, I think it's pretty cool. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, uh, but when I said the catalog will include PS1, PS2, and PSB games, surprisingly, Vita's not mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, I mean, that was the first thing I noticed, but I'm assuming it's because of the, the, the back touch. I'm assuming that's why, you know, like the, the integrated touch stuff, you know. We'll see what happens. They hate know. Vita, though. They, they do hate Vita. So, uh, also, the other link that was in the agenda uh is that so, uh, PlayStation Plus will not be adding first-party exclusives at launch. This is coming from Matt Perslow over at IGN. Uh, Sony's upcoming overhaul of the PlayStation Plus subscription may sound like a bit like Xbox Game Pass, but there's one important distinction. First-party exclusives will not be added to the service. Uh, talking to GameIndustry.biz, PlayStation Plus Jim Ryan said, quote, in terms of putting your own games into the service or any of our services upon the release, as you well know, this is not a road that we've gone down in the past. It's not a road that we're going down with this new service. We feel if we were able, we were to do that with the games we are at PlayStation Studios, the vicious cycle will be broken, a virtuous cycle will be broken. The level of investment that we need to make in our studios would not be possible, and we think the knock-on effect of the quality of the games we would make would not be something that gamers want, end quote. So, uh, then Ryan went on to say, quote, I don't want to cast anything in stone at the stage. I'm, all I'm talking to today is the approach we're taking in the short term. The way our publishing model works right now, it doesn't make any sense. But things can change very quickly in this industry, as we all know, end quote. So, Alex, I'll go to you first. Uh, is Sony making a mistake by not including their first-party exclusive games into the service as Game, pa- as game Pass allows you to do? I mean, I'm sure they're going to get some blowback from the gaming sphere because people are like, oh, is their their competitor... Where you know they they have high expectations and and assume it's going to match Game Pass when if you had paid attention to anything that you know Jim Ryan had said or would come from the higher ups of PlayStation they weren't going to do that because they don't know how it's economically feasible to do that and provide those games for free or for like you know a subscription service day and date like Microsoft does so I mean I don't know how much money goes into Microsoft's games you know but the way that Sony has invested in those cinematic first party games, you know, almost like movies, the investment's got to be pretty large. So I understand where he's coming from. I think it's going to get some negative feedback from the community because people are expecting a lot. And, you know, whether or not Nintendo or Sony 
have promised a model like Microsoft has, the existence of Game Pass creates an expectation within the video game industry that, oh, hey, if you want to compete with, you know, how good it is for how Microsoft has it and how good they've done, you got to have something, you know, that's the same. So people will inevitably expect Sony to be giving away first party games, you know, right away, just like Microsoft does. So and I, I keep saying giving away, but for a, you know, a subscription service, a monthly fee to have access to those games. So I was prepared for Sony not to say that. So I, or for Sony to say that as they've always said. So I get it. For me, I look at the tiers and an extra, which is $40 more than current, than the baseline PlayStation Plus and then $20 less than premium. That to me personally seems like the worst tier because for $20 more, you get access, $20 a year more, you get access to the PS1, the PS2, and the PSP games, and, you know, along with all the other uh, Vita, or not, not the Vita, but the PS4 and PS5 games. So I would say either premium or the baseline is your best bet. Now, we, I would wait it out and see what they offer for premium because, you know, don't just jump in and expect they're going to have a, a, a deep back catalog of stuff. I think they're going to need to to satisfy customers. They're going to have to reach deep into the PS2 and PlayStation 1 back catalogs to keep people happy. But to me, the best two deals are either the baseline or premium. I think for what it offers, extra is a little bit too much. All right. Uh, Daryl, your thoughts? Um, so I've, I like the fact that Jim, old franchise, Jimmy Ryan keeps doubling down on the fact that you can't give yourself away for free and expect to be profitable. And I think that uh, I agree with Alex because he says, you know, the existence of Game Pass has started a precedent. If you look back, PlayStation giving away PlayStation Plus games started a precedent. Now, uh, Xbox does their version. Nintendo does their version. You know, um, Xbox creating Xbox Live set a precedent. You know, like, so these things do rub off on the other uh, competitors, but I think to PlayStation's credit that you know PlayStation fans don't expect you know PlayStation to put their games day and date because the quality is high and they continue to meet and exceed you know what they do best. Whereas on Xbox's side, they have to put their games out there, and and, and they're not great. They I mean like I have an Xbox One sitting right beside me. I've had Game Pass since it came out, and it, I, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, on that platform that can touch half of what Sony offers. That was insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw your face, and I was like, "Yes, that was insane." Um, so, like, like they're like they can put everything they have day and date on Game Pass, and it's because they can't, comp- in my opinion, they can't compete with PlayStation. They don't have an answer for The Last of Us. They don't have an answer for Uncharted. They don't have an answer for Horizon. You know, they don't have a Ghost of Tsushima. So, and I think um, the important thing to to point out here is Sony still out revenues Microsoft. Absolutely, in gaming revenue, absolutely, and that's the thing. Microsoft has deep pockets; like they can put their stuff out there, and financially, they can. They, I mean, it's 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 just it's apples and oranges. They're completely different. Um. But with that being said, you know, I think that the fact that we're getting Spartacus, this PlayStation Plus premium and all that stuff, that is because Game Pass has had an effect. So, you know, I I do expect to see third parties go day and date. I expect to see PlayStation Studios games 
You know, the the past ones are going to come on there and sit on the service. I expect to see, you know, some of their newer games get on there within six months to a year. But I do also expect to pay $60, $70 for their premium titles when they first come out. And I'm good with that because I like what I'm getting for my money. I it's it's also worth noting, uh and I just closed I, I had a bad habit to do it this week. Uh one of the things uh that say oh wait I lose it, I lost it. Sorry. Uh this is IGN speaking. They said um while it is a marked difference from the Game Pass, Ryan's reasoning is understandable given that Sony's first-party islands currently have a tendency towards being self-contained single-player games with little in the way of microtransactions, which remains a way to make money in service like Game Pass. However, the company is looking to uh, make more than 10 live service games by 2026. So it's possible to see that stance shift. So, I mean, just talking with you, just you know, going on what you guys were saying... The reason Game Pass is successful is because a lot of their games, they can give away the game because they're making the money back through microtransactions, which I know is, you know, like a bad word to say on this show. Um, But, I mean, that makes point that I I was saying, like, you can't put microtransactions in single player games. So how would you make the money back? So I understand the reason. Then, I mean, would I love God of War Ragnarok to come out day and date with this? Absolutely, but it, do I? Did I ever think that was going to happen? No. Well, I mean, you could put microtransactions in a single player game because, I mean, think about it. God of War. It's like okay, well, you let people play the game, but then you also put out here's a really powerful weapon you can purchase if you want to. It doesn't affect other people because it's a single player game, so it's not like pay to win. I mean, I guess to a degree, but you're you're only playing yourself against the computer. So I mean, you can fit microtransactions into a first person game into a, a single player game. People will find a way. And the one thing about this entire situation that really pisses me off is that people, I mean, I shouldn't say pisses me off, it annoys me. Everyone always wants to lobby criticisms at Sony, but no one's ever like, Nintendo needs a service where they're giving away Mario and Zelda day and date. No one ever says that. And before anyone says they're not competent, yes, they are. They are a video game company, and you still have to spend your money on their games, and you have to play their games when otherwise... You could spend that money on an Xbox game, a PC game, or a PlayStation game. Your time and your money are still being dedicated to another system. So yes, they are competition, even if they haven't used the same business model. So and, people, and it's also worth point, pointing out that uh, Nintendo gets criticism, but also praise at the same time for their games never going down in value. They never give you sales on their games. Like Mario Odyssey, I believe, is still sixty dollars. It and. As someone who has played Mario Odyssey, yes, it is a good game, but I am willing to pay more money for uh, a game like Goshishima or Horizon Forbidden West because to me those games have more value than Mario Odyssey. There's more that goes into those games. So I think that the PlayStation games have more value because there is so much more of a real-world aspect in it than just a cartoon plumber running around catching moons or, or collecting moons. I'm sorry. The Nintendo first-party games, you know, maybe you want to point to Zelda, but there's so much more that goes into the PlayStation games and so much more emotion that goes into making them and to playing them. They're, I mean, their experience, whereas Nintendo stuff is kind of just a game. So, but it, it, it annoys me that people have expectations of Sony that they don't have for Nintendo, when Nintendo is also a video game maker and they put out video games that still require your I, money and time. 
So stop saying they're not competition because yes, they are. I, I just want to point out, I you know, I said that Odyssey was still sixty dollars. I didn't know if that was actually true. I just went on Nintendo.com. It is still fifty nine ninety nine. That is insane. Well, I mean, they did have like uh, during the Wii era, they had kind of a great their own greatest hits selection of games. Like Mar- Super Mario Galaxy was on there. I don't remember what they sold that, but I think they sold them as at a, a lesser price. But I mean, yeah, they're kind of like Disney in that they don't cut down the price of their video games i mean they were one of the ones who decried mobile gaming and the the pricing tiers for that and saying that oh hey this is going to devalue video games so i'm sure they look at game pass and they fucking hate it hate it yes all right uh that is gonna bring us to the end of the show um i feel like i oh no i didn't forget about it uh we do have a uh, Sophie's Trophies, as I said. All right, so before we go to our shout-outs, uh, let's hear from our main man, Sid, from Across the Pond, telling us all about Elden Ring. Hello again, guys. It's Sid with another Sophie's Trophies. This one, guys, it's the big one. It is Elden Ring. Um, I platinum this yesterday. Um, like I said... I did buy some runes uh, just to speed it up a bit, but I am going through the PS4 version now um, and there will be no rune buying on that one. It will just be a straight playthrough. Um, you know, all I did really was save a bit of time, probably a few hours, um, but the game is still nails. Um, there's there's no way about it. I mean, I was quite a high level and I was still getting my ass kicked, um, but it was worth it because it's one hell of a game. Now, I'm going to go through the trophies. Um, I will explain some things, but not too many things, because I do not want to ruin it for anyone who is thinking about picking the game up, Um, which I suggest you do. To me, this is the pinnacle of From Software games. It is amazing. It's so good. Um, I mean, I'm doing it again, guys. I spent 70-odd hours on it, and I'm going through it on the PS4 now. Um, differences with the PS4 version, can't really tell any. Um, my TV is quite far back from where I sit. So, um, yeah, it plays the same from what I can tell. I only did the beginning yesterday. But um, if you do buy it, you do get the PS4 version and the PS5 version. Two separate trophy lists. Um, so, let's get into it, guys. As always, Platinum Trophy, the Elden Ring. Um, obtained all trophies. Then... There are three endings. There is the Elden Lord ending, the Age of Stars ending, and Lord of the Frenzied Flame. To get the endings, guys, you have to do certain things. I will explain a bit of them in a second, but when you kill the final boss, you are put into an area. You can save there. And then what I did, and what pretty much everyone else did, you transport your save over to your PS Plus or over to the cloud, Do one ending, then download your save again. Do the other ending, assuming you've got them unlocked. Um, They will be there if you've got them unlocked. If you haven't, then you're buggered and you will have to play the game again. So, the first ending. Achieve the Elden Lord ending. This one is just your basic ending, so as long as you get to the end of the game, guys, you are there. The Age of Stars ending. This is a big, 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 big quest line. Um... It basically spans nearly the whole game. Or I think it does span the whole game because the first character... One of the first characters you meet is called Rani. She is a witch. 
and she is the one that sends you on this quest and it spans the whole game. It involves killing two or three bosses, um, which we will get to in a bit. And I would look a guide up on this one, guys, because it is easily, easily, easily missable. Okay, Lord of the Frenzied Flame ending. This is your third ending. Near the end of the game, guys, if you kill a certain boss, you will lock yourself out of this ending. Um, you can get this ending by first going to the capital. I'm trying not to give any names away. And going underground to the sewers where you will find a specific door with a grace site next to it. Grace sites are your bonfires. You need to activate that grace site because otherwise you will not be able to transport there at the end of the game because the capital changes. It gets covered in ash. Um, so just be aware of that one. Um, right, so on to some of the bosses. Most of the trophies are boss-related trophies. You have Shardbearer Godric, Shardbearer Radan, Shardbearer Morgo, Shardbearer Rikard, and Shardbearer Melenia. And Shardbearer uh, Mog. I'm sorry, I think there's six there, guys, sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six Shardbearers. To unlock the capital we were just talking about, you need to have killed at least two of those. Um, they are, not all of them are story related, some of them are hidden away. Um, some of them you can only find after you've done Rani's questline. Or the majority of Rani's questline. But we'll go into that a little bit in a while. Um, then you have some more bosses. Malikith the Black Blade. And you have Hora, Horalu the Warrior. Some of these names, guys. And then you have Dragonlord Placido. Or Placido? I don't know. He's a big dragon. Now, with the Dragonlord, guys, in the end area of the game... You will see a section of rocks that you can fall down, keep following a path, and you have to lie down in a very specific place. This is the only way to find that dragon. Uh, because if you go near him, he disappears. Then you will get transported to his boss arena. Um, it's awesome. The way they do it, it is just so good. I wish I could tell you, but I'm not going to. Okay, so now we have the God Slaying Armament. Upgraded any armament to its highest stage. You do this using uh, smithing stones. They range from level 1 to 10, I believe. And then you get the final one, which is... Uh, uh, I can't remember, guys. I think it's a dragon smithing stone. Um, and that allows you to upgrade to your final, um, final power, um, which is 25. You can upgrade these things to 25. Um, you do get somber smithing stones as well, which are used to power up um, special weapons. So power up either a normal weapon or a special weapon, and you'll get this trophy. Legendary armaments. Uh, I think there are nine of them altogether. They are certain weapons. Um, some of them you get through defeating bosses. Some of them you find around the world. Um, don't do what I did, guys. I sold two of them because I didn't realise uh, so I had to start a new game plus to go and find the two that I sold. 
So it doesn't matter if you had them, you have to have them. So just keep that in mind. Legendary Ashen Remains. Your Ashen Remains, guys, these are your summons. You can only use them in certain areas. They can be upgraded to plus 10. Um, some of them are absolutely amazing. I was using one called the Mimic Tier, which basically copies you and whatever gear you're wearing. Um, it is well worth seeking that one out, I have to say. Um, but yeah, just uh, find all legendary ones of those. There are some, again, hidden behind bosses, some that are in the world. Legendary sorceries and incantations. So that's the same. Same thing, guys. That's your spells. Um, same as the other two. You just need to go around the world and find them. Legendary talismans. So your talismans, you wear these. Uh, you can equip four of them. Um, I think at the beginning you can only equip one or two, but as the game goes on you can equip more. They give you buffs like HP or damage boosts or damage negation, things like that. Um, you have to find all of those. And I can't remember exactly how many there are. Then we have some more bosses. We have Renala, Queen of the Full Moon. Now, when, once you've beaten this boss... Um, she gives you the ability to um, respec your character. And sometimes you will need to do that, depending on what build you've gone for. Um, so you need a thing called a, a tier, and you give her one of those, and she lets you respec your character. I did it three or four times. Then you've got Lich Dragon 40 Sacks, Godskin Duo. Now they're a bit of a bummer. Think Ornstein and Smo from Dark Souls. Um, I think that's the vibe they were going for. Then you've got the Fire Giant. Um, he's massive. Got a lot of hit points, this one, guys. Um, and you have to beat him to get into the end game. Dragonkin Soldier of Noxtella. So there's a name for you. So um, he's one of the hidden bosses. Then you've got the Valiant Gargoyle. Um, and then you've got Margo the Fellowman, the Red Wolf Radagon, and the Red Wolf Radagon is very reminiscent of Sim, or no, Sif, from Dark Souls. Then you've got the Godskin Noble, Magma Worm Maker, Godfrey the First Lord, Mog the Omen, Mimic Tear. Now, Mimic Tear um, is a boss. Um, I forgot that, to be honest, because it's been a while. So what you need to do, guys, um, very simple this is. Before you go into the area with the Mimic Tear, take off all of your armour and all of your weapons. Then, as soon as the Mimic Tear appears and copies you, put back on your armour and your weapons and go to town. Okay, then we've got Loretta, Knight of the Halig Tree. Then we've got Astel, Natural Born of the Void. Then we've got Leonine, Misbegotten. And then there's Royal Knight, Loretta. And then there's Elomar of the Briar. Now, this next one, Ancestor Spirit. There's also one called a Regal Ancestor Spirit. They're pretty much the same boss. You will find them in Noxel, which is one of the areas that you will unlock 
um, after you defeat uh, Radagan, I think, um, which you need to do for Rani's quest. This will open up a cutscene and will open up a whole new area underground. And both of these spirits, um, you need to light six lamps, which will allow you to commune with uh, the carcass of said spirits and be transported to um, its boss arena. Uh, there's two of them, like I said, uh, very close together, really. The first one, you need to light six lamps. The second one, you need to light eight lamps. Then we have Commander Nile. And this one, guys, this is Roundtable Hold. And this is arrived at the Roundtable Hold. This is your, I think, Firelink Shrine or Medulla. Um, and I think it's Firelink in Dark Souls 3 as well. Um, this is your safe area. This is where you upgrade. This is where um, you meet some of your uh, characters, um, NPCs for quests and things like that. You get that automatically at the beginning of the game. I think it's around your third or fourth bonfire. Your spirit guide or whatever she's called, Melenia, will um, tell you about it and transport you there. And you can go back at any time. Then we have Great Rune, Restored the Power of a Great Rune. Um, these you get after you kill the boss. Each boss or each shard bearer has a Great Rune. And once you've got the Great Rune off the boss... You need to go and find the corresponding tower. Um, they're all over the map. So once you find the tower, you activate it. You activate that great rune, which means you can use it. Now, great runes are used by using an item called a rune arc. Um, they are found around the world. There's not too many of them. And I must admit, fighting the dragon I told you about before, uh, where you get transported to its arena when you lie down, um, that I used all of them there because he was a bit of a bitch. But you use a rune arc, it activates that rune and that stays with you until you die. Um, so there are many rune arcs. Um, as we know, there are six because there are six shard bearers. So you pick which one you would like to use after you've um, set it up. Then you have Erdtree Aflame. This is your last trophy, guys. Use Kindling to set fire to the Erdtree uh, use kindling to set the earth tree aflame so after you beat the fire giant you will be given the option um, to either light the giant's cauldron or carry on running around the game once you light the dragon's cauldron or giant's cauldron you'll be transported to the Azulia ruins um, and that is your second to last area shall we say um so that's the area that once you finish the um, capital changes. So just be aware of that. Now I've tried to do this guys without giving too much away. Um, all I'll say is if you like Dark Souls or anything like that. Then it is certainly worth playing. If you don't like Dark Souls. It's not going to win you over I don't think. Um, some of it especially the end game is, is hard guys. But. It's just such a good game to play. The open world, the way they've done it, is just really amazing. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a long one, guys. Um, I've tried to be... I don't know. I've, I've tried to tell you what to do without telling you too much. Uh, because I don't want to ruin it for people. I, I, 
I can't wait to jump back into it. I'll probably do that in about five, ten minutes. Um, so, yeah, that's it from me. Um, Elden Ring, my game of the year so far. My game of the past four or five years, I must admit. Um, and I will talk to you again soon. Keep getting those trophies, guys. Bye. All right, and we're back. Thank you, Sid, for that deep dive into the Elden Ring trophies. Again, congrats on the Platinum. I just wish you got it in a better game. Uh, <laughs> I, I love how you I, always like to point I, I out other people I, are trolls. And, like, I mentioned that I, I bought, tease. like, a Mega Man I, 3 mouse pad, and you immediately jump on me saying Mega Man 3 sucks and Mega Man 4 is better. It's like... I, I'm just teasing. I'm just You teasing. do work under a bridge, Tricky. I'll just say that. I, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we won't go into the picture I sent that everybody criticized me for. Do you know, Tricky actually sent us uh, a picture of where his work is, and it's literally, if not right uh, under, adjacent to a bridge. So, so do we want to do the wrestling talk? Like, do we actually want to do a segment of wrestling talk after the show so people can you know who are hyped because there is crossover. Not everybody, I don't think, wants to listen to it. But are we are we going to do any uh, segment like that so people can listen to some wrestling talk on this big wrestling weekend? Uh. I mean, if you two want to do it, I'm down for it. I'll edit it later, but I'd rather just go watch WrestleMania because I have to be up at 3.30 in the morning. I actually don't disagree with that. I'm, uh, WrestleMania is on, and it is the first night was super hot, so I'd love to. Maybe we can reconvene and do a wrestle talk uh, on another day. Get get Joe Priestley on here. Cause... Yeah. No, because I, I don't want any AEW loving scum on the show. Uh, you're... Wait a second. Whoa, I'm right here. Yeah, same here. You're talking to a bunch of people who who drank that Kool Aid. I think you're at this yes. point because Yield is high on AW as well. I know he's watching WrestleMania and he he enjoyed some of the matches last night. But you're like the one lone standing like WWE is amazing guy. No, 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 no. See, see, this, I, I'm going on my soapbox. Here Say it for the wrestle talk. Say it for the no, wrestle talk. I, I, I'm going on my little soapbox here. Just because I dislike something does not mean that I'm a. Uh, uh, a blind supporter of the other. WWE has their problems, but honestly and truthfully, the way I view AEW, it is a sinking ship, and it's going to be another TNA Impact clone where they're going to be hot for a little while, and then it's going to all die off. It's already reported that Tony Khan can't even make payroll because he keeps signing big-ass contracts. That is, I, in any of the research I, I did, that. I did not see that at all. I heard yeah, that the same. video game... Is kind of dragging down profits, but other than that, any of the reports I saw that they were profitable. Negative. So, all right, but hey, that arena would tell another story because I was at AEW just a few nights ago, and that place was friggin' popping. Also, I'll remind they you, were tricky excited. that they filled Arthur Ashe Stadium, whereas you know, uh, I've seen attendance records for and, and pictures from some of the WB shows, and they like what the MSG show they recently did and hyped up. Like how long did it, t- it like did they have to or how much marketing and how long did it take them to actually sell that out even if they did sell it out? Hold on, uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium only holds twenty three thousand people. That's probably more attendance than most shows for for uh, WB get aside from WrestleMania. They, they 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 would have to sell that place out four times to get what WWE has right now. Yeah, but WrestleMania is different, you know. I mean, you, you talk about, like, the uh, viability of AEW, but you're forgetting that all the talk for the past couple of years is who's WWE going to sell to. They're being run now yeah. by Nick Khan, a guy who's a businessman who doesn't necessarily care about wrestling, 
Who, if you go well, to WB, what's me, your future going to look like in five years? Question. Like, what does Vince McMahon have up his sleeve? They could very well be sold to Disney or to Fox or whoever, oh, and that company looks very different. Let, let me ask you a simple question, and I want your honest, legit answers. I don't want you guys to give troll answers. You always get my legit answer. Uh, no, because you, you like the troll answer, too. Do you legit think that if AEW was to hold an event at AT&T Stadium, they would sell out? Uh, I think that give them some time and they possibly could. I mean, could they probably fill 18? Here's the thing. I guarantee not all of those tickets were sold because the last I heard they had sold. I don't even know if they had sold 55,000. I guarantee a lot of those tickets are comps, which is, which is not an, not a, uh, an irregular thing for wrestling events, but given the attendance records I've seen for WWE in recent years and their own viewership, I don't think they sold 77,000 tickets. There may be 77,000 people there, but they didn't sell 77,000 tickets. Even, oh. even, if, even, even if they, you, you think they gave away 20,000 cop tickets? If To to make your event look better, 100% I think they would. No, absolutely not. Yeah, they, like, as a few months ago, there's they hadn't sold that they, building out. They, there's a reason why it's two days is because they get 70,000 people each day. Okay, first of all, one of the main gripes with WrestleMania is that they could easily make that card one night because most of that stuff isn't WrestleMania worthy. So also it's about them like make, the wanting to make as right much now. money. There's not a necessity to have it two nights. They just did that during the pandemic era to make it seem special because it was an empty arena. And now they're continuing with it because like, well, I guess we can make more money. They also don't want to look like they're downgrading WrestleMania by going back to one night. But that event doesn't need to be two days. Have one night of WrestleMania and then one night of NXT, and there you go. But no, I mean, could could um, AEW sell out seventy seven thousand? No, because WWE can't even do that at this point. Um, but I'll I'll close out the show. Alex, just do your shout outs. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, whoa. no, no. I, I I'm not gonna listen to this blasphemy. No, he he's not wrong though. And also AEW hasn't been around, doesn't have the legacy that WWE has. They've but been like, around for six years. Uh, okay, and wh- who the AEW came, came around in twenty nineteen. Even if it was sixteen years, I mean WWE has been around longer than we've been alive. So and they've bought up all of the competition. They bought up anyone who was anybody. So the fact that AEW is on the map and making the noise they're making is friggin' amazing. The only so, reason they're making noise is because they keep signing WWE talent. Tricky. Okay, well, let me let me give as Daryl got rid of those. As Daryl alluded to, what are you just going to leave those people unsigned? No, you do understand that Hulk Hogan came to WWE from AWA. How many ECW and WCW stars? came to WWE and made WWE stronger. Most of WWE, they, they gobbled up the territories. Most of WC, WWE's talent was not homegrown. So somebody saying, oh, AEW's just taking all of WWE's talent, when is also earmarking people like Jade Cargill, Wardlow, MJF as people they want, it's ridiculous because WWE was built on the talent from other places. You know, we said we weren't going to do wrestling talk, but now I'm going to get into it. Here's the difference between what you just said and what AEW is doing. All those people that came from other territories to WWE, nobody knew who the hell they were. Bullshit. You you just they, say that because you weren't alive during those times. You do understand that I no. listen to a wrestling podcast from a wrestling historian that talks oh, about oh my God. how well-known stop, stop talking because. You don't let me finish a thought. Because it's ridiculous what you're usually saying. 
no, nobody knew who the hell these people were. And unless you go into you, you listen to a wrestling podcast. Congratulations, and I'm not saying that to be condescending. Congratulations, you listen to a wrestling podcast. But the average wrestling fan did not know who the hell these people were. The reason AEW is getting a buzz is because they're taking people that WWE grew and made them household names, and now all of a sudden, oh, now they're all elite. That's CM what you Punk, do Jericho. You, you take you sign talent, and then you use that talent to grow your homegrown guys. Like your MJFs and um, who uh, outright your, uh, says he does your, not your want to be AEW. Hobbs, your yeah, absolutely. You you got one of your main stars, MGF, outright saying he does not plan to resign the contract. He dude, is going to WWE. Dude, he He's is, negotiating he is money. Heel. He is he stays in character all the time. What better way to get heat within your own company? And and who knows, maybe he will go to WWE. But what better way to get heat than to tell the ADW fans? You're going to WWE. He's working tricky, and that's what you don't understand. He said he will go where the money is, and like I've said before, Tony Khan has commented he has access to more money than the W than the McMahons do. And yes, I think that you that's what you don't that's understand. True. Also, I'm pretty sure that Rocky Three came out before the first WrestleMania. Am I? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, the point about that is, guess who was in Rocky Three as Thunderlips? Mm. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Mm. So saying that people okay. didn't know who these wrestlers were, Tricky, is just flat out wrong. Oh, hold on. When did Rocky... 1982. I've got it right in front of me. Okay, what was the first WrestleMania? 85. So the WWE has been around since 1979. And AEW has been around since 2019. And here we are talking about how viable... Of competition, they are. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, and here, but okay, I've seen oh like for all intents and purposes, AEW's last three pay per views have set a pretty good standard for quality. I watched Revolution, which was the most recent one, pretty good pay per view. I watched the Royal Rumble and was so fucking disappointed. I own, oh, I, I have access to Peacock, and I haven't watched a single second of WrestleMania. Uh, okay, so WrestleMania last night, night one was really good. Stone Cold Steve Austin came back, had a legit match. First time in 19 years. Um, and then Cody Rhodes came back and fought uh, Seth Rollins, who's like doing this weird Ric Flair knockoff stage of his life. And they tore the freaking house down. So like quality of night one was really good. And so far what I can see from night two, it's been pretty good. But I'll be honest, the whole card as a, as a, as a, as a whole not great. Now the Ronda Rousey uh, Charlotte Flair match that was really good, but I'm a Rousey fan. I just love like the way she performs. I think she's she's awesome. Um, but like those early days of NXT, those early uh, NXT takeovers, those were like next level pay per views that I don't think WWE has touched since. Well, that's because Triple H was hasn't been involved in a while. Well, yep, yep. As you know, he's probably gonna be less involved. Well, he's already said he's not. Uh gonna wrestle again uh, yeah, he, but he he just put his boots down and retired in the middle of the ring yeah so i mean my problem with wrestlemania this year is that you look at that card and it's like the the biggest WrestleMania of all time and half those matches don't belong i'm sorry drew mcintyre versus happy corbin does not belong at wrestlemania that is ridiculous and that sucked so and, well that and um this this uh uh freaking what's his face uh moses or mo mad cat moss yeah Oh, no, yeah, Omos. Omos. Whatever the big guy, Omos, yeah. Him and Bobby Lashley, pff, 
I mean, like, this is a filler match. This is a Raw match, right? So here. at the first WrestleMania, they had um, Billy Martin, Liberace, and Muhammad fucking Ali. And this year, they have Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Which, who actually, who actually really held good. his own. <laughs> was, he held dude, his own. I know, but that, that's Alex, what passes was for really celebrity good. these days. And Bad Bunny last it, year. But, they may have done good jobs, but was, yeah. compared to the celebrities of yesteryear, I mean, come on. I don't, I don't disagree with you, but Logan well, Paul being the absolute heel in life that he is, teamed up with The Miz, was so good. And then the ending of that match was... I'm telling you, I was like, I was losing it. It was so freaking good. I, it was awesome. I think that WB has kind of like, you look at the card, it's like, you take half the matches from one night one, half the matches from night two, combine that, and you can have a great night of wrestling. That's absolutely true. I agree. But there's so much filler in WrestleMania weekend. Why can't you just do a Saturday night WrestleMania that's, you know, six hours of coverage? Maybe I'll accept that because it's like Super Bowl of, of wrestling. And then you do stand and deliver either Friday night to compete with the other ones or Saturday, Sunday night on its own and just do that. Two nights is way too much. And it exposes yeah. their own, you know, company because you look at a lot of these matches, it's like, that is not a WrestleMania match. And also, again, the quality, regardless of this WrestleMania, the quality of WB premium live events, as they like to call them now, has been terrible. The standard and, has gone way down. And that's one area uh, where I do think, you know, the promos in AW are better because those guys aren't having promos written for them. They're just doing them. And you got guys like Eddie yep. Kingston and MJF who are fucking kings at it. Yep. And then... Yep. You know, just the overall, yeah, there's bad wrestling and, and, and amateur shit in AEW. I get it. But after watching their, their Revolution pay-per-view, their Revolution pay-per-view was worlds better than Royal Rumble. So I think yep. that the standards they've set for the best stuff in their company, the best stuff in AEW is the best stuff in wrestling today. There's no... There's, I will there's, I'll no. say this, you're, though. You're out of like, your mind. You're smoking To be crack. fair, like WWE's pay-per-view quality went down when they offered the pay-per-views for free with the network. Absolutely. Because there's like there's no real investment. Like sure, you're you you got all these subscribers that are here for just content consumption. But like I called it. I told uh, my family is a wrestling family. We used to get together for years. Every wrestling pay per view, the whole family got together. Um, most of my podcast hosts would go over there with us. All that stuff for years and years. When the WWE Network came, we're like, oh my gosh, now we don't have to pay sixty bucks a month to get together and do pay per views. We stopped watching them together. Because now it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really feeling it tonight. Eh, you know, we can all watch it from home. Like, they got rid of our get-togethers, and then the quality was consistently less and less and less, and they felt more like more raw episodes. And so we eventually got to a point where it's like, I mean, there's no real reason to get together and watch this because it's not offering the quality it used to. Now, I I, I do believe that when you off, when you give away the crown jewels – for a subscription price, the quality goes down because now it's not about quality. It's about quantity. How much content can we put on the service? Now that's going to happen with games. I'm calling it, but I was about to say, it sounds like a lot like Jim Ryan says, like we're giving yeah. away our, oh, yeah. best look, stuff look at game pass. Half the games that release on there are freaking broken anymore. Halo infinite still missing half the content, but I digress. My point is this, AEW still has something to prove and they're selling their pay-per-views. So their pay-per-views are going to be, Money. They have to sell them. If they give you, if if AEW pay per view costs forty nine ninety nine, and they're giving you a dynamite match, which dynamite was great, I was just there, but like I'm not paying fifty bucks for dynamite. You know, not for the pay per view, anyways. So I, I do think there's there's a bit of a difference there, and that 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 subscription 
ha- it's like everywhere that ha- becomes a thing, you see a quality drop. You see a quantity increase, but you see a quality drop. And I think that it's more than just the subscription service that's a problem for WWE. It's that the money from Saudi Arabia shows, the network money. Oh, yeah. They are making so much money that and while the quality has gone down, the, the money certainly hasn't. They're making so much money that the quality doesn't have to be good. It doesn't matter. So that's why their product is not going to get better. It's because they're making enough money to sustain. You know, they're making better than expected profits, but their 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 shows aren't great, and it, there's no reason for them to change that. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. All right, I'm closing out the show. Alex, your shout outs. We give a shout out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is true up yours. Wonderful people from our community, like our friend Daryl here, uh, our you know Sid out there beating Elden Ring and stomping into the ground. You know, uh, we love our community. It's the entire reason we do this show. Um, because you know I wouldn't want to just come on here and spend my time talking to Tricky for no reason. Uh, no offense, Tricky, but love you too. But I said I love you yeah, too. Well, it's it's, it's a it's a love hate relationship. Um, I fucking I fucking love to hate, <laughs> especially when I send you spiders. Yeah, it's not. That's just not funny. I, don't don't do that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, but no, uh, our community, you guys are the ones who keep us going. Without you all, there's no reason to do this show. So again, thank you for your continued support. As always, we got a fervent fan base just like over there at AEW. Give a shout out right. to Tricky and to Yield. My my usual co-host Yield is watching WrestleMania as Tricky is trying to do is a uh, little spinoff there from doing the show. Thank you, Daryl, for coming on and, and filling in seat number three. And I know we obviously wanted to get your opinions on PlayStation Plus with all the uh, the new Spartacus news coming out. But uh, thank you for devoting your time when you could be watching wrestling in a wrestling family. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to the new Ring of Honor World Ch- Tag Team Champions, FTR, the best tag team in wrestling today, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. Congratulations, guys. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. Uh, who brought me a surprise boba tea home last night along with our Mexican food. So, so thank you, honey. I love you. And uh, yeah, done. Daryl. I want to give a shout out to Tony Khan, CEO of AEW. I'll give a shout out to Britt Baker, Shahid Khan, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, EMJF, Tony Omega. Uh, I would give a shout out to Brandy Rose, but she just left. Uh, John Moxley. Omega? I would give a, a shout Wait, out to Chris you, Jericho, did, Scorpio did Sky. You, did you um, say Tony Omega? You what? Did you say Tony Omega? Uh, I said Kenny Omega, but I mean Tony too. You, I'm sure he's got. You some, said, I'm sure you there's said a Tony, Tony Omega out there somewhere. So, I want to give a shout out to Adam Page, Pac, Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy, Tony Schiavone, uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Pentagon. Somebody Jr. shut off his microphone. <laughs> Chuck Taylor, <laughs> freaking Christopher Daniels. Um, yeah, Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, Any, anybody else? Samoa Joe, one of the newest members of All Elite Wrestling. Can we please get I, that Samoa Joe CM Punk? That's right. That's right. Oh, that's well, right. I was, I was about to say, C- did you, C- did C- you Pete, say Brian C- Danielson, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Sting. <laughs> it's Sting. That's right. It was it was awesome, man. Like we had a, we had a blast the other night. Oh, that's right. Tony Storm, the latest to join the AEW roster. Yeah, that has to sell her body on OnlyFans. Well, apparently not. She um, just got a big old contract from AEW. Big old fat stack of cash from Tony also, Khan and the Khan don't family. Don't be shaming people for doing that, Tricky. I, I'm not shaming. I like I'm not shaming uh, Charlotte Flair for having two dip slips last night. 
Hey, look, dude, you ha- you have purchased your fair share of OnlyFans b-hole pictures, so don't be hating. Uh, no, my my only if OnlyFans content that I get is <laughs> Japanese visual novels. Uh, you want to do your real shout outs now? So we close that's my real shout outs. I'm here to shout out mother freaking AW. Thank you for existing. I want to shout out to uh, Sweet Mama D who uh, started playing It Takes Two with me. I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, trophy list on that game sucks, by the way. It does. Just so put it out there. Uh, with that being said, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate all the fans. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. A-E-W. <laughs> The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. <laughs>